This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 103 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today, we have two interesting people, very international feel to this. Natalie is from the U.S. and director of Cavalia Odysseo is Eric Paquette from Canada. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I have my producer again, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Happy New Year! Hey, it is, isn't it? I'm so excited for 2018. It's like like a nice round number. It's just been sounding real good. Where the heck did 2017 go? That's what I want to know. I don't know. It wasn't that bad either, but I'm like done with it. You know, it was wow. <laughs> nothing wrong with it. I'm just, you know, you're so done with a year when you're, I'm tired of saying 2008, but watch, watch. I can't write 2018 for the next, you know, month and a half. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can't remember to do it, but, yeah. but Hey, my son just got engaged and oh. he's getting married in 2018. It was pretty cute because he, the, he came and asked us first and he said, you know, I'm going to ask her and what do you think about doing this, that, and the other thing? And he showed us the ring and, and he asked for his, he went to the dad and asked for the hand in marriage and did all the traditional things. We're so proud of him and everything. And, and then he goes, what do you think if I got married in 2019? And I went, it doesn't sound good. It just doesn't, doesn't have a good ring to it. It just doesn't have no. that numerical karma that 2018 has. Right, 2018. And he said, eh, Brittany said the same thing. So it's good. So yeah, so we've got a wedding to plan and come up with in 2018. So I'm just real excited about New Year's. But anyway, th- so the traditional thing to do at this point is like resolutions. Yep, what you're right. You, okay, do you do those? Do you, do you do resolutions? You know, Uh-oh. I rarely do resolutions. I, I'm going, why am I setting myself up for failure? Right. You know? <laughs> Last year, yeah. I did a resolution. I kept it to myself. I didn't tell anybody. That way, if I failed, <laughs> I was only yeah. needed new. Um, but <laughs> I, res- I resolved to be a better helper in the kitchen, in that Glenn, Glenn, the kitchen is Glenn's territory. He cooks. Really? He's the guy. But I, did, I resolved to be more helpful cleaning up the mess that he makes by cooking me food all the time. And uh, I, th- I think, don't ask Glenn, I did a pretty good job. <laughs> good. So you've already started. Already started your resolution. So I don't know what I'm going to do for this year. What do you, do you have any plans for this year's oh, resolutions? That I get you. Uh, I I don't, you know, Tom's birthday is the weirdest birthday. My husband's birthday is New Year's Eve. It's really? literally December 31st and everybody has a party, right? And so we we get caught up. It's not like you just go to sleep at nine o'clock and watch the ball in, in, on the East, you know, and go to bed. No, every year is a party, right? You got to have a party because poor guy already has his birthday in December. So, you know, you got to at least pull yourself together for New Year's. And everybody always does resolutions. And I'm kind of with you too. Like if I do something like I resolve to every day do X, Y, Z. And I think, well, after seven days when I don't do it, then I'm like, I'm done for the year. So why, 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 so, but I think my New Year's resolution, I'm still thinking on this, but I'm thinking that it'll be something about, it's got to be something to do with horses. And and I'm more disciplined about all those things that we resolve to do for horses that we probably should do more of, like, you know, taking better care, do, following all the rules that we set for everybody else and that we don't do. Oh, that's <laughs> and, a good one. Uh, yeah, but I'm not going to tell anybody because then people will be watching. So, yeah, no, And nobody's <laughs> listening to this show, so they won't know. No, exactly. So don't tell. But yeah, I mean, I think doing something not about me, but for, you know, me doing something for somebody else kind of thing. That's And, and I think horses are the easy ones because there's so many things that we should be doing for our horses that, you know, don't always get to, so. Now, I know some horse girls out there are going, what? I do more for my horses than I do for myself, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's true, yeah. too. Like, they'll sacrifice their whole budget for supplements for their horses. Mm-hmm. I 
get that. I totally get that. Um, and good job, you know, tick that box. Then you better just do it for yourself. So resolve to do Pilates for your horse, kind of for you. That's yeah, interesting. That's See, you're, you're looking at it from a, a different perspective in that resolving to do something for your horse that is indirect. And for example, Pilates, you're doing Pilates for you. Not be not because it benefits you. It does benefit you, but that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because it will benefit your horse. Yeah. Interesting. It's not my resolution, by the way. I'm just throwing it. No, I actually thought about Tai Chi though. I'm gonna Google Tai Chi and see because I like the whole idea about focus and mindfulness and breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, and moving like you're in heavy oil, the fluidity, mm-hmm. is that a word, of, of movement. I'm going to look into that. Okay. Ooh, All right. You know what? You just had me do it. I resolve. Okay. Here it is. 2018. I resolve to at least experiment with Tai Chi this year awesome. for my horse. Awesome. And I resolve to ask Debbie regularly how it's going Dang you. with her Tai Chi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I set myself up. <gasps> well, that's pretty cool. No, I'm I'm very excited about that because that those are things that we can talk about on the show is, you know, how that is affecting your relationship with the horses. That's cool. Well, it's so accountable. Okay. Good All for right. you. Pat on the back. <laughs> Yeah, it just forced me into that nice push. But um, Natalie Parrish, though, I want to tell you about this girl. You are going to have so much fun with Natalie Parrish, one of our, our first guests. Have. And I met her at Podcast Movement with Glenn. Did oh, you really? know that? With uh, your husband. Yeah, Natalie was one of those that was just sitting. Now, is this a God thing or what? I'm sitting, and maybe we even said this in the interview, so this may be redundant. But I, I was sitting at one of the bigger audience participation things at podcast movement. And she was sitting to my left and sitting to my right was another gal who happened to be a part of the Institute that Natalie is a part of, which was totally coincidental and, and multi-generational and all that stuff too. But you're going to be fascinated by this brilliant young lady who owes a lot of, she says she owes a lot of who she is for horses to horses. Well, how about that? That's going to be a very interesting conversation and a brilliant young lady that you met <laughs> through podcasting. How about that? Sure. And weird. we're going to get right to that after this from Omega Fields. Your horse is your partner in sport, in leisure, and just in life. To keep him at his peak performance and optimal health, a solid nutritional foundation is key. Ideally, horses are able to graze fresh, growing grasses, which most closely mimic their natural diet. But that may not always be possible, and we may need to supply some of those missing ingredients in today's diets and provide more functional foods. One component of a horse's diet that is often underfed are omega-3 fatty acids. While more prevalent in fresh forages, harvested forages are lower in omega-3 fatty acids due to their more advanced maturity. Obviously, grasses and legumes have to grow to a sufficient height in order to be harvested, while foraging patterns of horses show great preference for shorter, less mature plants. That's why modern horsemen and horsewomen trust Omega Horse Shine to provide a powerful, bountiful source of omega-3 fatty acids for their equine partners. Look for Omega Horse Shine from Omega Fields at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can find them online at omegafields.com. Natalie Parrish has been riding horses since she was nine years old after begging her parents for lessons. What began as an obsession for one little girl, now the whole family has caught the bug. Natalie competed in reigning at Arabian Youth Nationals, Arabian Canadian Nationals, and in the National Reigning Horse Association with her horses Hollywood Playboy and Black in Style. After high school, she took a break from riding to focus on her education and career, as a lot of women do. In 2014, she received her BA in Italian and Comparative history of ideas from the University of Washington, Seattle, before working at Microsoft as a local content manager. In 2016, she received her MA in international relations from the University of Chicago. That's a tough school. She now works 
as the product marketing manager for the Hoover Institution at Stanford University, where she manages their podcasts. There's there's podcasts called Area 45, The Classicist, The Libertarian, and Uncommon Knowledge. You should check them out. She credits horses to much of her success as they taught her compassion, responsibility, and to always have a backup plan in case of a crisis. Her sister Stephanie continues in the family tradition with her dressage horses, Gadget and TTC back in style. Well, welcome, Natalie Parrish. You are, you've done a lot in your short life. I don't make it to sound like you're eight years old or anything, but uh, that's a pretty impressive <laughs> bio, Natalie. <laughs> Thank so, you. Well, you're welcome. See, and you sound young, too, so I wanted to tell people about you before we got you <laughs> on. But the first thing I thought it'd be interesting for people to know, since, of course, you're on Horsemanship Radio, and we're going to find out about horses today, but tell us a little bit about the Hoover Institution at, at Stanford University. Tell us what you do there. Yes, so I am the product marketing manager at the Hoover Institution, a political think tank on Stanford University's campus. I work with the marketing team in producing our podcasts and our publications. And some of our podcasts include like Area 45, The Classicist, The Libertarian, and Uncommon Knowledge. Right. And so I help make sure get all of these out into the world out where people, like anybody can listen to them and learn what scholars and experts like Condoleezza Rice and George Schultz and Thomas Sowell all think about the world today and the state of politics and kind of get the expert opinions out for everybody to listen to. Yeah, what a fascinating job you have. And so many people beat a path to your door to find out what these people are thinking. And it's mm-hmm. so cur- current, and uh, but it's so, it's what they say is such longevity for our country. They, they're influencers, they're think tankers. It's just fascinating what you do. And, uh, you know, you can share a little bit about how you got there. But I, I thought it might be interesting to bring out some things about you that got you to that journey. You said that horses taught you compassion and responsibility and to always have a backup plan. I think that's so interesting. <laughs> tell, tell, us the, tell us about the backup plan first. What, what is that about horses that you learned that on? So that's something that my horseback riding trainer, Kevin Christensen of Talisman Training Center in Spokane, Washington, taught me from day one was always have a plan B. Because there's always something that may go wrong and you need to be prepared for something to go wrong Uh, with horses. Like they have a mind of their own. They are not always going to do what you want them to do. And so you need to be prepared for if they decide to go left when you want them to go right, that you are ready if that happens. And I think that that has just been like the most valuable life lesson because things go wrong in life all the time. People also have minds of their own and are not going to always do what you want them to do. So you always have to be prepared for life to go a different direction. And so it has really taught me to be uh, patient and ready to be uh, spontaneous in some ways mm-hmm. that if something changes that I am ready for it, that I can, I can handle whatever life throws at me because I always have a plan B. Yeah. Well said. You know, I love horsey girls for that reason and horsey women and horsey ladies. Because you know, that is that's the serious side of us is we we are like the ultimate moms that way when we have horses and it just carries over into our kids. <laughs> Sorry kids, but <laughs> but we we do it's have so to true. be a somewhat regimented in our lives, don't we? But there's that compassion angle though too. And I think um there's something I I love what you said, and I think that empathy and compassion are often words used with people that work with horses. So tell us about your compassionate side a little bit, too. Yes, I've always been a compassionate person, but I think horses really brought it out of me even more. I've always loved animals. Uh, But the thing about a horse, more so than any other animal, is that you give to them so much and then you get so much back in return like with horses it's really a working relationship of Mm -hmm. you know I'm going to do I want to to rein with you I want you to slide and then they will choose to do so or choose not to do so Um, but if you've built up that trust then they are going to trust in you that you're going to take care of them and you're going to trust them that they're going to take care of you and so that compassion really builds between you and the horse because you know that there's there's a trust there. 
And so you, you learn to, to take care of each other in many ways. And so it like, it's, it's such a special relationship and it really teaches you a lot about interpersonal relationships, I think between people as well, because you can't have a good foundation with your, your partner unless you trust them the way that you have built trust with your horse. Um, and so it just teaches you a lot about, you know, treating other people and other animals with compassion in order to build trust and have really strong foundational relationships. Mm, yeah, that's wonderful. Do you use some of these on your, on your bow too, on your boyfriend? <laughs> My fiance <laughs> and I, yes, um, we, um, it's, trust is a, a huge part of our relationship mm. and compassion and, and, um, always, you know, working with each other to, to be honest and open and communicative about your feelings and about the good stuff and the bad stuff. Uh, just mm-hmm. like you would be with your horse, your horse is going to tell you when something is wrong. Your partner is also in an honest relationship going to tell you when something's wrong. And then you have to work to get over those things, both yeah. with your horse or with your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we read your bio. So we know that you are not just talking about a relationship with a horse or just, a, you know, a, a giddy up and go ride either. You've competed at really high levels. So do mm-hmm. you feel like that compassion and that must have really pulled some of that competition out to perform at a really high level? Hmm? Uh, definitely. I have had several horses over the years and competed with two of them up to the the highest levels that you could as a a youth Arabian rider in the U.S. and Canada and um, all the way to youth nationals. And it was definitely like we had to build that trust. I had to have compassion with with my horses. Um, One of my horses, Black and Style, he and I really struggled to build a relationship at first because we couldn't really find that trust and that compassion. But over time, suddenly, like one day something just clicked. And then all of a sudden we went from getting 62s, 63s, which was bad for us in in reigning, to Mm -hmm. getting over 70s every time. And it was a lot of that was, it had nothing to do with our skill sets because we were both, I was a skilled rider, he was a skilled reiner, but we just weren't meshing. And then Mm -hmm. one day we finally were able to like trust each other and suddenly it just, everything worked and we were able to go on and, and compete and just like do so well and have a wonderful time. And at, like that at the end of each ride, both of us would be happy. Whereas coming yeah. out of some of the earlier rides, neither of us would be happy. I'd be frustrated because I knew we were better than this and he'd be frustrated because he didn't trust me. And we were finally able to get past all of that, which I think was, was wonderful. And it made for uh, a wonderful relationship between me and him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what do you think that moment was? Do you know it? Can you put your finger on it? I, I actually believe that I can. We, um, we were able to like go to nationals for the first time, uh, even with our like 63, 65s. And during nationals, we weren't doing that well. I don't even think that we made the, the top 10 in any of the regular rating classes. But I had a trainer at the time who suggested that we participate in freestyle reining. Mm-hmm. And so, so I chose at the time the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were really popular and I really loved the soundtrack music. So I decided to do a Pirates of the Caribbean inspired freestyle <laughs> reining ride at Nationals, having mm-hmm. never done freestyle reining before. And it turned out that Black and Style loved freestyle reining. It That's it was awesome. like his favorite thing. It also turned out to be my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> and good. so we, I dressed up as a pirate and then we like covered him in all sorts of like decorations and he loved to get dressed up in costumes. And so he was <laughs> the black pearl and I was, I was the pirate and I had a sword and everything. And we just like went out there and had like the ride of our life. We had so <laughs> much fun and we were just playing around like it was just an an exhibition like they were giving uh giving awards for it but it wasn't um as intense as any of the regular reigning competitions and so we were just out there to have fun and the crowd was cheering and we were like having just such a great time and we ended up coming in fourth and I think that was the first time he and I scored over 70 and it was an amazing moment (laughs) we just like we both found something that we loved and just like 
clicked doing it. And after that, we never had a bad ride. Is that right? Is that right? So yeah. So something clicked in his head too. I love that you identified that he loved to wear costumes and because some people think, do do what, you know, we put our animals through, right? We dress up our cats, our dogs, Mm -hmm. you see the videos, right? And some people wonder, are, you know, what are they thinking of us? But I I do believe there's some horses that have a little exhibitionist in them, you know, or they just, and he does, does he? And now, so what else have you, have you done any other costumes since then? So uh, that was the only one I believe that I did with him, but my sister the following year did a um, Lion King in the jungle one and they actually dressed him up as a lion with, they used some tool to make like a black giant mane like a lion has. And then they wrapped his tail in black vet wrap so that it was like a long skinny tail, just like a lion. And they beat me. in the competition and my sister is five years younger than me I don't think she'd ever done reining in her life and they beat me in the competition with my other horse because that's enough of that so good yeah see he loves to dress up that's your sister Stephanie and she's also um yeah showing in dressage now too so you really your family does have an obsession in this too did your parents ride as well did your parents compete uh, actually, no, my, um, my mom had a lot of back problems growing up. And so she actually didn't do any kind of physical activity at all her whole life until she was in her forties when she, um, finally started to rehabilitate her back. And I, at the time had started begging for horseback riding lessons. And so she, found a horseback riding trainer at the, the Talisman training center in Spokane and asked if they could start me on lessons. And she started doing it with me. And uh-huh. so she and I started together and it was, it was so much fun. And then, um, so she and I did that every week, just having a wonderful time. I mean, I was still, I was pretty young. I think I was about eight and then, um, eight or nine. And then a couple of years later, my sister had been begging and begging and begging to join us. And so my mom finally let her, her come join us. I think when she was about six and then, uh, my dad was like, well, if you guys are all doing it, then I should do it. too." <laughs> and so then he joined <laughs> us. Great. Yeah. And my, my mom and dad never competed, but they were always there to support us and cheer us on at every competition. And they've been yeah. very involved from day one. So actually, you're probably hitting two parts, a therapy. I mean, it's good exercise. It builds that core and every good reason to ride horses, mm-hmm. too, just even for recreationally. But then you guys got the competition bug. That's a great family story, you guys. Yeah. Really fun. So how did we lose you to the the brainiac world? How did we lose you to <laughs> to the, the ethereal? And um, we're so glad. We're so glad that you went off and became uh, super educated. But um, we'll... Will there be a longing to really get back into horses eventually, do you think? Oh, definitely. I was just telling my fiance today how much I miss it and how much I can't wait to get back into it. It's not something that will work for me right now at this stage in my life, but in the next few years, it's definitely like in my life plan to get back into horseback riding because I miss it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. We don't want to lose you completely. But, you know, one of the biggest statistics is um, everybody knows that the whole industry is full of women. But one of the biggest Mm -hmm. statistics of people getting into horses are people that were into horses as a kid and wanting to get back into them or um, a woman, you know, over 40 who just now has the time and, and money to do it. And so don't wait till you're 40. (laughs) <laughs> but because it'll be healthier for you if you don't. But now tell us a little, little bit about the podcast side because you and I met at um, a, a conference, basically. Uh, what was it called? Podfest, right? Podfest? Uh, in, podcast, in, uh, movement. podcast movement. Thank you. Okay. See, I've forgotten already. But the that was in Los Angeles area. And um, so did you fly down from the Stanford area just for that? And what what was the whole reason you were there? I did fly in just for that. Um, we ha- we've had all our podcasts at the Hoover Institution for several years now, but we've never done any marketing or anything with them. And so recently we decided to start some new podcasts back in March. 
And my manager said, you know, like, let's look into this podcast thing. How are our podcasts doing? Should we do some marketing around them? What should we do? Like, how does the whole podcast industry work? And so I did a lot of research and saw that the podcast movement was like the highest rated conference to go to for podcasters. And so they decided to to send me to find out how our podcasts were doing and and what should what are the next steps for our podcast and it ended up being like the most helpful week of learning mm-hmm. I've ever done like I learned so much in those few days I I don't know about you but it was just like yeah. a constant like dump of information that was so <laughs> useful yeah <laughs> It was, it was hard. To it was hard it. to. Yes, that's true too. Yeah, a good thing we have little our little phones and devices and things to keep things mm-hmm. memorized on. But it was so hard to choose between one. You know, the same hour had two or three that could could be home runs just by the title. You're not sure, but um, but I'm glad we got to meet. I'm glad our lives intersected a little bit for a minute. We were at the, I think we were in one of the evening things when we sat. I sat next to. You were to my left, and then there was another lady to my right who happened to be a Hoover Institute fellow, which was such an odd thing, right? You two had never met before, right, Sandra? I'd never met her. I think that she was a former board member, I want to say. Was that it? Okay. Of the Hoover Institution, I believe. Um, But yeah, so it was just kind of a random coincidence that she and I happened to be sitting there next to each other um, without knowing that there would be other Hoover affiliated people there in the room of hundreds of people. It was, it was quite interesting, quite an interesting thing to learn. So what do you think of the future of podcasts and horses? Honestly, I think that podcasts and horses is a great fit there. I, I don't know about you, but when I ride, I often, or like when I trail ride, I often like to listen to music while I'm riding or even before mm-hmm. competitions, I used to like to listen to music to settle myself down. And I think that could also be a great space to be listening to a podcast in one ear mm-hmm. and, you know, listening to your horse with the other. And so also I think what we learned at the podcast movement is that there's a huge, uh, there's a huge area of the industry for niche podcasts like horse mm-hmm. podcasts, that there are people out there that will listen to them. There are podcasters and then there are horse people who like to listen to podcasts. And of course, that this is going to be a great fit for them, and it's only going to grow more over time as the podcast industry grows. Yeah, yeah, it is quite interesting. A couple of years ago, people didn't know what a podcast was, so at least we're we're starting to get that um, little demarcation broken down, and I think people are understanding. Now we've got to get them on. We're low tech here in the horse industry, and we, we've got to figure out how to get the podcasts on their phone. You know, people are still r- running up and down the dial going, where yeah. are those podcast things? <laughs> It's not on the radio in your car unless you, uh, you know, unless you subscribe to something. But anyway, it was really fun to have you, Natalie, and I'd love to have you back when you, you know, got a little horse stories for us or some success with your podcast. I'd love to talk to you again and follow your career. You're just amazing and um, really fun to meet. And um, I love introducing you to our, our listeners to Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for inviting me. This has been so much fun. I always love to talk to other horse people, especially now that I'm not around them as much. And this has been a wonderful experience. Thank you so much. Hi, Carol Herter here, president of Cavallo, home of the world's most trusted and popular hoof boots. You know, one of the most interesting parts of what I do is the many horsey stories I get to hear. Most of them are really uplifting. Some are stories of challenges and a few are downright sad. Recently, a wonderful woman took the time to approach us at a show to share a story about her horse who went down in quicksand. It started out as a really scary story. We were holding our breaths, waiting for the outcome, and it turned out wonderful. They winched the horse out relatively unscathed, albeit, you know, a little traumatized, and everyone standing around were super amazed that he still had his cavallo hoof boots on. Scary story with a good ending. Another testament to Cavallo. If you don't have a pair for your horse, it's time. Cavallos are easy to put on, easy to take off when you want to take them off, and they stay on. They stay on in all terrain. Cavallo, the world's most trusted hoof boots. 
Eric Paquette has over 25 years of experience as an executive in the media and entertainment business. He speaks three languages, and he declares that he has the best job on earth as director of public relations and publicity for Cavalia. Cavalia, their first show, has been seen by more than 5 million people across North America, Europe, Australia, the Middle East, and Asia since its debut in 2003. Odiseo, the second show, has toured to rave reviews and public acclaim since its 2011 premiere. Under a giant traveling tent, Odiseo is a high-technology, multimedia, and special effects event with horses creating the magical, unique, never-before-seen experiences. Well, welcome, Eric Paquette. You're the Director of Public Relations and Publicity for the Cavalia Odiseo. I'm so happy to have you on. I'm so happy to be on, Debbie. Thank you for having me. That's a big title. Have you? Uh, do you stop and think about that sometime and think, "My goodness, what what uh, what a job that is, huh?" You're very kind to say this. And honestly, uh, because of the job and the career, I honestly never think of that. Otherwise, I would have time to do all the work that I have to do. <laughs> but you know what? It, it, I have to say, Debbie, that it's more than a job. It's more than a career. It's you have to be passionate to do what I do and to do for everybody actually in the company. We're passionate people. We love entertainment. We love traveling. But most importantly, we're completely in love with horses and animals. We're big, a big horse lover. Absolutely, of course. And, you know, it goes, yes, of course, on the performers and the creators, but it really goes into deeply into all the individual. And that's what makes it so special to be part of a, of a gang like this. Mm. <laughs> I like to call it a gang because we're, we're stick together through thick and thin, you know, yeah. and being passionate, it, it's just the fuel that keeps us going. And, and to be able to present this amazing show, Kevaria Odyssey, to audiences of all ages and everywhere. I, I feel lucky and I speak on behalf of everybody. We were tremendously lucky to be able to, to represent a show like that. That, that's the honest truth. Well, good. I, as a public member here, I believe you are lucky because it looks so cool from the outside in. But I know there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind that. And I have no idea what time you're, you know, uh, all of us have probably, been around some sort of theater, or even if you were in a high school play or something, you know that the day is kind of crazy. I mean, it, you know, goes late and it's, uh, the show must go on. So it doesn't matter if you're, if you've eaten or not, you're, you know, you're on stage. So what's your day like? Are, do you start really early or are you like a lot of artists that, you know, roll out of bed at, you know, 10 and then sort of look around? And- I wish, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be getting up at 10, 11, but a typical day in in my uh, in my life in my work of line with Cavalia Odyssey is is fairly simple, but it can be intricate because we are traveling around the world. Yeah. We're traveling with this Cavalia Odyssey across the North America, so it sounds silly, but the time zone is a big thing, right? Because mm-hmm. you you always have to adjust to where you work, but also our head office being based in Montreal, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's all kinds of different time zones that we need to think about so sometimes i may have a meeting at 5 30 in the morning california time but turns out that in 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 montreal it's it's a little later in the morning for instance so uh, the the beauty with this job is that we we never know how the day will go and that's why i like about this job and is to to always have that beautiful production in the back of my mind and doing everything we do and, and that's fun. And the, the the element of surprise, yes, of course, it's in the show, but I think it's in everybody's daily routine mm-hmm. to see, okay, well, what's going to come up today or what project we're going to tackle? But that's that's part of the fun of working in entertainment mm-hmm. and especially working with Kevalia Odiseo that has such a great reception from the public. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a show where... To be really frank, that I have to defend anything, uh, you know, and, 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 and to think about all I have to do is, is um, make people understand the magic before they see it. So they want to come and see us. Mm-hmm. And then my job is done because then they're becoming the, 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 the people who will spread the word mm-hmm. on the show. And that is a lot more than what I can do. It's really having and embracing all the public and letting them go out into the world and talking about a product. And the show speaks for itself. So I'd like to say that my job is easy because the show speaks for itself. It's beauty, it's magic, it's grandeur, it's, 
is, is pageantry. But I, I think my job is more into aligning those, um, those, those efforts to make sure that people know where we are, when we open, and make sure that we have the best turnout. But you know, honestly, it's not difficult because after a premiere, once we have the full packed audience, the word of mouth starts to yeah. spread out in a mm-hmm. city and in a, in, a, in a state. And that's where we feel the support of yeah. the audiences. And it's amazing. You have it. You have it. I, you know, I, I live amongst the, the horse world. And as soon as the dates go up, I hear the buzz. You can hear the buzz from all over. And it's really fun because it's been um, repeated to us over and over again now that people go, I mean, the horse lovers, they love to sit in the first row, don't they? And lean over, maybe get a little dirt kicked up and a little full mouth, you know, they, we want to, we want to be on that front row, not wherever VIP wants to sit necessarily, but you've got 65 four-legged stars out there. And I think last I heard, you've got about 65 horses that you use. No, you're right. We have 65 mm-hmm. horses from 12 different breeds mm-hmm. and the horses are coming from all over the world, really. really? And it's the mm-hmm. same for artists. We have 50 artists coming from all walks of life, wow. of religion, of backgrounds, of release. And, and I think it's important that I mention that, you know, we're, we're coming from some, so different places, but what brings us together, Debbie, mm-hmm. is the horses, is the performing arts. And I think that that's a very strong message, especially in the day that we live in nowadays, you know, that we are from all kinds of backgrounds yes. and religion, but we make it work, we get along, and we create something beautiful and magical to mesmerize audience. And for me that I have goosebumps just telling you this. (laughs) I really do feel it in my core. And it's so important because we're bringing joy to people. We're bringing a moment to relax, a moment to, uh, to reflect on what we like artistically. And, and, and we make, you know, young kids an introduction to the performing art world. And even for some, for the horse world, the equestrian world. And that's a powerful thing. Art is a powerful tool that we have, and we all know this, but to be part of it and being able to share it, it's an experience like no other. Uh, yeah. And you say it well, that's wonderful. You've been with the company for like over five years now, I think. And before that you that's were, right. yeah, you're a, a Hollywood entertainment journalist. I mean, could you ever imagine that you <laughs> would have this job? Now you're being pursued by reporters to get the story, right? That's exactly right. I'm on the other side of the fence yeah. now. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but you know what? It, it helps me a lot because I always remember those wonderful years as an entertainment reporter in Hollywood. And I, I know what the journalists want. I know mm-hmm. I understand the deadline. I understand what they need. So with all that, I think it makes my job easier and it makes the reporter on the other side a lot happier mm-hmm. in the, doing their job. So definitely, but I wouldn't, I, I've never imagined um, to be able to do this and travel the world with this show and with the company. And, you know, I, I thought I've done a lot of great things with my previous career as a journalist. It was a lot of fun. But I think this is more rewarding, to be really honest That's with you, nice. because I get to connect with people a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, connecting with Julia Roberts and Angelina Jolie for four minutes for an interview, mm-hmm. there's nothing more um, cold than this. You know, they're not my friends, but I'm, I'm having a hard time to connect because they have thousands of people parroting in front of them and wanting to talk to them. Mm-hmm. But with this show, I had the pleasure to go and talk to people, understand what they are dreaming of, mm-hmm. understanding what they take out from the show and taking the time to listen. And that's, that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you live, you have such an exotic life. Do you live part of the year in Montreal now, or are you just always on the road? I'm most of the time on the road. I, I, my family is still in, in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get to go there often, uh, enough to spend time with my mom and spend time with my family mm-hmm. and catch up on the birthdays that I've missed and yeah. the special occasion. <laughs> but, you know, that's part of the, that's part of the carrier pad that I took. And I'm, I'm okay with this. I made peace with it. But you know what? By being a bit far from the people you love, you get closer. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds silly, but you make time. when we mm-hmm. see each other, we make time, we make quality time, and it's a celebration. So mm-hmm. those moments are more intense, are more 
valuable maybe than having I'm not saying that I would love to see my mom every day but at the same time every time I see her I make it extra special and I think I think that works great yeah I love Montreal it's a very artistic creative area does that suit you is is that that's all part of your life oh my god yes Mm. I definitely, and I think that's probably what propelled me into the entertainment world and wanting to be part of it, because I was surrounded by all kinds of great TV shows when I was a kid, and I was uh, exposed to a lot of theater when I was a kid, and great books from local writers, and I thought, wow, you know, these things you don't see when you meet someone at first, if they're a writer or uh, an actor, you don't, you know... The, the the star system in Montreal and Quebec is very particular because it's mostly in French, so it's kind of a bubble right. of this the star system. But I was very fascinated how this bubble can sustain on itself because, you know, a famous singer in Quebec, in our province where we speak French, is not known necessarily in another province yeah. in Canada, even if it's the same country. Mm-hmm. So that kind of fascinated me at first. And I think now working for a show that is from Montreal, I'm nothing but proud to to say that, you know, that thing, that that theatrical experience was conceived and thought of with amazing creative people from Montreal. I know. Yeah, it it, it is so interesting. It goes so far back with Cirque du Soleil and Cavalier. Now, I, I read somewhere where it's like an integral part of, of Canada's cultural heritage. And talk about that a little bit. That's the it's the largest Canadian owned cultural enterprise. Did I read that? That is very true, actually. They're the largest Canadian owned enterprise in Canada. And that's something to be proud of because mm-hmm. we get to not only shine uh, on the talents of people from Montreal and from the province and from everywhere in Canada, because we have all, all kinds of, uh, we have employees from all kinds of, of, of part of Canada. But what's interesting is that we get to take our, our imagination, create something and get that creation to other parts to kind of break those barriers. And that is something that is very cool (laughs) to bring something to create. I can only imagine the founder, Norman Latourelle, he created this show. It took a long time, but it was a dream for him. It was something that he wanted to recreate nature on stage. And that's exactly what Odyssey is, is recreating nature on stage with special effects amazing special effect and you know it, it, it's as it's as good or even better than a show in vegas where they have permanent installation or in broadway yeah. but mind you we're traveling with this show it's a traveling theater and, and and to be able to put our white big top in the city and hear the people come talk about it wondering what the tent is and for people that have seen our shows or our fans to say oh my god they are in my neighborhood <laughs> this is amazing and i think that's the brand that we are able to create throughout the years and the vision of Norman Latourelle of to creating something that speaks to everybody mm. that will touch you in a way that honestly you don't even suspect yet if you haven't seen the mm-hmm. show is to bring people in our seats, not only for two hours of entertainment, but a, a two hours of a voyage of an odyssey actually throughout the world. And during that two hours of show, we'll take you places you've never been before and especially with your emotion, you'll be on the edge of your seat at some point. Some, sometimes you will want to, to cry almost because of the beauty in front of you in the tender moment. And it's very touching. So you come out of the show a bit super excited of what you just saw. And you know what, Debbie? That's why a lot of people come back to our show. Because mm-hmm. it's addictive. You want to see more. You want to wait. Did I miss something? And the beauty with this show and having 65 horses and 50 humans is that not one single show is the same. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Couldn't we be. cannot, we, yeah. it can be. And that's okay. And that's also the magic of the show that not one show is, I want to say it's not perfect, but we're not making perfect shows because we let the horse express it's himself. Living. And you know what? Yeah. It becomes, it's living and it becomes perfect when you realize that this is just a beautiful display of the relationship between human and horse while we take the spectator on a fabulous journey mm-hmm. around the world. I was going to ask you, are, has there ever been a fan who's like showing up, up at all the shows? Do you have a regulars who, uh, who meet you in that city every single time or somebody who follows you around the earth? I would, I'd leave home, follow you. 
<laughs> We've had fans that came up to us and, 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 and reach out to us saying, oh, my God, it's my 25th time seeing mm. this show. And I think of one of one nurse that is from the Bay Area, actually. Her name is Ali Von V. She's a fantastic lady and she's a nurse. So she works a lot with, of course, patients. And and she found out not only that she's a horse lover, she's a performing art lover, but she's been telling these stories of how she felt and what she saw to all the patients that she has throughout the years. And she saw the show 23 times, if I'm not mistaken. That's a lot of time. And every time she's front row, dead center, that's her seat. And, and it, she's part of the family, basically, yeah. you know? And, and so there's huge fans of this show that I've met throughout my, my years with, the, with, with Cavalia. And it's, it's fascinating to hear their side of the story. And I feel like we're a Michael Jackson or Madonna or yeah. Lady Gaga <laughs> or uh, someone huge because it's the same thing. It's the same attraction. It's the same fascination. Mm-hmm. It's something that really wow them and they're curious. And they want to know more and they want to know how we do things, how we do the footing and how we transport this and mm-hmm. how we create a lake at the end of the show. Yeah. And how is this possible that we have this screen that it's three times the size of an IMAX screen? They ask a lot of questions, but it's fascinating and it's a lot of fun to tell them how we came about and make this beautiful show a reality. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It, the statistics, people should just go on your site and, and read some about this too. But uh, I, I also love your approach. The reason I like to hang over the side close up is that your approach to the training methods um, for the horses is so refreshing too, that you, uh, you, you just, it, it makes sense, but you know how common sense isn't so common sometimes that you'd want That's the horses true, to be happy <laughs> with their training and and happy to perform. Uh, who who is who is the designer? I know it's Norman Latoural who, who's behind all of this forty mm-hmm. year career. But who's behind the horses for you all? Is it one person who sort of is the inspiration? I'd like to to say that of course it's it, it's a company um, vision of how we're gonna work and play with horses, and we spend a lot of time and efforts to make sure that the top priority of every employees from the groom to the handler to the trainer and the riders all the way to the kitchen staff all the way to the plumber we have a priority and it's the well-being of our horses and i'm not just saying this because i couldn't lie about something like this and you know what you just have to see the show to understand and that will make all kinds of sense well horses the can't horse, lie cannot, so, yeah no exactly and yeah. that's the beautiful thing horses cannot lie they want to be with you or they don't want to be with you. There's no gray zone. Mm-hmm. There's no way we could possibly pull a show as beautiful and as big as this, as with many horses and acrobats and writers and aerialists and dancers and live musicians. No way we could pull that off without the horse being comfortable around us. No way. Yes, absolutely. Because the horse will not follow you. And the horse, as you know, and as your listeners most certainly know, the horse are praised. They are afraid of things, of silly things, of little things. Mm-hmm. And think of us being in an environment for the show with lights, with music, with public, with applause, with change of, of set decor. They really need to be comfortable. And how we do that, it's very simple. It takes a, long, a lot of time, a lot of patience, but it's simple. Mm-hmm. We take our time. That's all. We have the luxury of time. And we spend a lot of time with these horses to create that bond. And you cannot fake a bomb. You cannot fake a relationship. Right. You cannot a fake a, lib- a liberty number where we have, you know, nine or 12 Arabian around one trainer with no tack, with no rope, with nothing. Mm-hmm. And not wanting to play with you if they don't feel like it, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. So the connection that they have with the human is the base of everything we do. Yeah. And we base that on trust and patience and mutual respect. Respect. You yeah, know, you, you ask your horse, animal. you yeah. ask. It sure is. And Mm -hmm. asking a horse for something, if he doesn't do it, you know what? The horse is not wrong. You asked wrong. Yeah. Try again. Try something else. Oh my gosh. You sound sound like some of the best trainers on earth. And you you say you're not a horse guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've learned a lot with this company Ah. that just go into showing that, you know, when I see this, it's not a smoke and mirror. And how do we possibly do this with horse? It's easy. We take the time. We respect them. And you ask the horse something, and if he trusts you, he will give you 10 times more than what you ask. That's where you know you have a connection. And that's where you know you're able to walk on that stage 
and amazing spectators with just bonding with your horse and playing with them. And the thing that we have is so big. And I was telling you on top of this interview that it's recreating nature on stage. Mm -hmm. It's exactly it. We have a three, uh, three stories uh, high mountain on it. We have a huge space so they can express themselves. We encourage that. We want them to do it. The audience loves it. When the horse goes off, what he's supposed to yeah. do, that's the best part. <laughs> so then you fun. know. <laughs> Right. Then we know, and the fact that we have a live band as well in the yes. show that makes a big difference. Because as opposed to any other show on this planet, That's right. we are not following a clock; we are following the horses. So it. the band is strategically placed on each side of the stage, so they can actually have a visual on the stage at all times. So they can follow the action; they can follow the horses because it does happen. Then. One or two of our horses decide that they want a bit more applause or they like the light or just it's like to canter around and gallop. Well, be my guest. Go for it. And it makes beautiful moments. It makes the crowd cheers. And then we just play until they decide that it's time to go. That's the magic of the show. That is, yeah, you can't do that on Broadway. So do the horses ever influence the choreography of the show while it's in development? Do you think, do you, do you work with the horses too? Absolutely. I think it, 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 the, the point of this show is not to put a horse in any circumstances that he feels like it's not natural. Yes, even if we are in a tent, the horse will keep their natural behavior. And we built off of that. We built off of that energy, of that behavior, and then we create something fantastic. And then we dress it up. We dress it up with the lighting and the music and the beats and an addition of the drummers and the acrobat that comes along. We have a beautiful member in the show that's called Village Celebration. And it's a friendly competition between human on stilt walkers. They're like springs, basically, that allows them to jump super high. Mm -hmm. And it's a competition of jumping between the horses, their riders, and the acrobat. And I think that really tells the message of how we can work and play together. How can we challenge each other? How can we have the best time of our life together? And that's what we do. Goodness. That sounds so much fun. See, you want to run, run away. It's not a circus, but it, you want to run away with you guys like the circus. <laughs> so do you have any, <laughs> do you have any equestrian rock stars that come to the show? Do you like have Olympians or top trainers, people we can look for that? I mean, do they enjoy the show as well? They do. We've got a lot over the years, and I'm I'm terrible with remember all the names. Oh my gosh, I I I'm I'm apologizing. Oh, I won't offense, put you on the spot had... about that. No, I just I'm <laughs> wondering had, what to look forward had, to. Yeah, we have we have people from all from all backgrounds. Yes, we have Olympians. We have avid equestrian. We have people that wrote books that wants to know how we do things. Again, we have very uh, we have a very curious audience, yeah. and that allows us to get a real real feedback of of what they like and how we do things and how they're doing things in their own life. And many times, and I've saw comments on Facebook, for instance, all the time that people were like, wow, I went to your show and my dream is to achieve this with my horse. Yeah. And my dream will be to try and build that true bond. How do you guys do it? There's no secret recipes, really. If you have a good horse, you'll have a good horse. Now play with him. Take your time with him. Engage with the horse. And and, and I'm, I'm certainly not, like I, you said, I'm not an equestrian guy. I, have, I, I didn't grow up with horses. But trust me, the things that I've learned with this show mm -hmm. doesn't make me the perfect equestrian, doesn't make me any question, but it makes me appreciate the way we are uh, cohabitating with the horses. And that's a big deal. And that changed my life myself. Yeah. Now I see a horse, I see a horse differently than I used to see a horse. Sure. And now I understand the horse a bit more and I understand its sensitivity. It's amazing, not only the sensitivity of the horse, but their personality. We have 65 horses. Trust me, Debbie, it's 65 completely <laughs> different personalities. <laughs> <We know. laughs> some, some of them are a bit more diva. Some of them are a bit more independent. Some of them are more curious, more playful. Getting to know them is a blessing for me. You know, when I have a stressful moment and in my office and I'm on site on the show site and I'm working on something and I'm, I get a bit overwhelmed, I close my computer. I'm like, let me take a walk in this mm -hmm. table. Five minutes. That's all it takes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Not only that you remember why you're working so hard, but also the calming effect. The, 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 the home feel of being surrounded by these animals is something indescribable. 
Oh, I love that you enjoy that. I, I think horse people want to know that somebody who didn't necessarily grow up with horses gets that feeling too. And, you know, cause we really advocate for keeping horses in people's lives for that very reason, whether you're horsey or not, but, um, people who don't know should know. And so we're really glad that you're bringing Kavalia to town. And you know what, what happened too, if I may add, I mm. think it, it's worth it. Sometimes we, we also work with local equestrian centers where we were, where we're oh. playing. And, you know, we invite some of the kids or, or, or deserving families that are counting on these equestrian centers to rehabilitate themselves after an injury, an accident, or any alignment that they may have. And I didn't realize, again, the power of a show. And and realizing that, for instance, another great example is in, in when we were in Toronto, we invited refugees to our show, uh, refugees, newcomers into the country, and to see the faces, to see the reaction of these fine folks that are giving a shot at a new life and expose them to a piece of art like Kevalia, for me, was an amazing experience because oh, they've never been to the movies before. They've never seen a play. They barely watch TVs in their lifetime. and realize what kind of effect a show like this has on people's lives is again, I'm speechless. I cannot even express the feeling that I feel other than being so proud of being part of this company. Yeah. What a privilege. Yeah. What a privilege, Eric. I'm so glad that you shared that with us though, too, because it is, it is a privilege whenever we get around horses, it's becoming more of an anomaly. Um, but I, I think you're making a little bit of a change there. You're taking the horses to the people. I have to say that Cavalli Odysseo has a very, very special love affair with Californians. We're now playing in Camarillo in Ventura County. Mm-hmm. It's our first time in that region. And we, over the years, with the very first show Cavalli and this one, Odysseo, we have mesmerized more than a million people in California. A million. Places from all the way from San Francisco to San Diego. And, and that love affair with California is very special mm-hmm. for us. So we realized after having so many spectators just in California that we needed to go back for the holidays, which we're here. And we found that we have a lot of fans that were based in that region that are so excited to have us close by. Uh, And they tell their friends, they tell their families, their coworkers. So we are honestly selling tickets like hotcake. It's It's such a wonderful place. To be, and not only the weather is perfect for the holidays for all yes, of us. Yes, that's, that's true. Amazing. Little California sunshine but, doesn't hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt at all. Mm-hmm. And but I have to say that the, the the folks in California are probably our biggest fan across the world. And I'm not saying that lightly. Of course, we have amazing fans from Montreal that are true hardcore followers that want us back at all times. But I have to say that California holds a very special place in our hearts. So we're thrilled to be here and spend the holidays with you guys. So you have oh, to come and check us out and, and oh, spend some time with will. us. People will. We're dragging people. I'm throwing people in the back of my car. But, it, it, you know, the nice thing is it does feel um, great that you're coming to. It's kind of a central California location. It's easy to get to from the Los Angeles area. And we have so much horse country in the central California. Paso Robles has grown up. So Paso Robles should be there. And, and I'm sure you'll get a, a hordes of people from San Francisco area too. So you're genius, genius to put it right there on that valley in Camarillo. You come off that hill from the Los Angeles area and you suddenly see this huge, beautiful castle looking like tents, tents, three tents, I think it is, isn't it? Is it, is it held up by three arches? Yeah. That's right. Exactly. And it's the largest touring tent that you will find on the surface of the planet. It's unbelievable. You wow. can actually fit the Sleeping Beauty Castle from Disney, you can fit it under a tent. You can fit oh a 747 gosh. plane under this thing. It's the size of a football field. Yeah. So imagine all we can do under this with a huge stage and amazing special effects. And it, even if that's so big, we kept the audience fairly intimate. We have an audience of 2,000 that is fronting the stage. It's really like an auditorium. It's not like in the round that you mm-hmm. would maybe expect from a tent show. This is really a theatrical experience. You're very comfortable. And the minute you set foot on our site, you said it, it feels like you're part of an experience. It's oh, yeah. the beautiful castle that yeah. is the tent. And, and th- I think that's where the experience starts. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, it, so thank you for bringing it to, to, to that area. I, I've been driving past, I drive up and down the coast every day and, or every uh, week. And, um, I've been watching you build this thing over the last couple of weeks. And I can't tell you how exciting it is to see that. And I'm, I'm a bit of a jaded Southern California person. You've gone to lots of events and even all around the world, but you feel like a little kid again when you're driving past it because it's right on the 405 there, um, just between Oxnard and Camarillo Thousand Oaks area. Very horsey, Eric. You've done really well to put it there. And, uh, I know friends that are coming from all over too. It, it tell, you know, the last thing I'll leave you with this too. I don't want to take too much of your time, but that hill that you build in there that the horses come, I don't want to give away too much, but everybody talks about that. What, what was that that inspired you to put that dramatic, um, piece of stage in there? I'll call it. Um, I think it was definitely part of the dream of Normana to head to, like I said, recreating nature on stage. And nature when he was looking stage. out on one of his house in, in Montreal, mm-hmm. uh, he lived in the country and he was looking out and he had horses on his property and he saw that hill and he's like, how, 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 how original and how unique and how breathtaking it would be to have a hill on our stage. Mind you, this is not a fake hill. This is a real three-story high little mountain that we have. I, I shouldn't say little because it doesn't at all do it just. That have describes to it. To believe no, it. But okay. <laughs> the, the, the beauty of this hill, and without giving too much away, is that we use it for some of the entrance and, uh, of the horses on stage with the rider. And one particular scene, when we use that hill at the beginning of the, 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 the number, there's one thing. You can politely applaud. You know, you go see a show and you're very polite and you will applaud. Mm-hmm. At our show, I like to think that everybody is, of course, completely in awe. Mm-hmm. But one thing that is impossible to do politely, Debbie, is gasping. <laughs> you will never be able to fake this. And I hear that every, every time, time we utilize that mountain for a specific number that I know you know what I'm talking about yeah. will floor you because you realize how deep and how huge the space is for the horse to come and play. Yes. And that's part of the special effect of the show. Oh, okay. Now people are sufficiently teased. I I so appreciate you sharing so much with us today, Eric. Oh, of course. And I I didn't even mention the lake that we created for a flashing finale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. If, uh, if anybody has ever gone to the rodeo and looked at some of those, um, stunts that uh, some of the rodeo stars that go way back, this goes back to the twenties and thirties and things too. They even incorporate, Kefalia even incorporates some of those trick writing kind of skills in there too. And through the water, mm-hmm. which is just brilliant, just brilliant. I just <laughs> love it. See now. They're, you, they're, they're amazing performers and amazing yeah. horses. So, yeah. you know, again, we make everything to make sure that they're comfortable in what they're doing, but yeah. there's this element of surprise everywhere. And you have never seen a show like Kevalia Odiseo. I can promise you that. And you should. So go see it, Odiseo. It's beautiful. Thanks, Eric Paquette, for joining us today on Horsemanship Radio. I so appreciate it. I'd hope to have you again sometime when you're back in California. Would you do that? I'm sure I'll be calling in. Of course, Debbie. Terrific. Thanks. Eric Paquette with Cavalia. Thank you very much. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place in the magic in the language of Dear Monty, I regularly do groundwork with my horse. Can I, when he's working cooperatively, give him some small rewards, food or horse treats during training? Or does the horse have to wait until the training ends for this kind of reward? Monty's answer. If this kind of reward is to be offered by the human hand, then he should wait throughout eternity. Feeding the horse from the hand is the third worst piece of horsemanship on earth. Horses do not regard food from the hand as a reward, but connect food to the human body and thus are trained to bite. 
In my textbook, there's a chapter on dealing with horses that bite. Much of it is devoted to my belief that it is wrong to feed horses from the hand. It explains that horses do not have to stock their food, so they do not consider it a reward. Your horse will be much better behaved if you do not feed him from your hand. Read up on better ways to congratulate your horse. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. And coming up right in a few days is January 6, 2018. It's a masterclass series with Olympian Boyd Martin and other Olympians as well, inventors and dressage too. And then uh, leap ahead to July. We have July 23 through August 3 is the Gentling Wild Horses course at Flag is Up Farms. And August 6 through 10 is the Monty Special Training at Flag is Up Farms. That's 2018. So here we go. Oh, boy. Where where is the masterclass series featuring Boyd Martin and other Olympians going to happen? Thank you for asking because people better get to it quick. It's Temecula, California, and that is really in the middle of horse country and a little bit east of the Los East and south of the Los Angeles area. It's a beautiful area, kind of wine country too. There we go. Can't miss that. So that one's January 6th, 2018. So get on that right away. How do you get on that right away? You can do one of two things. You can either go to the website, that would be montyroberts.com, or you can give Flag is Up Farms a call. The phone number is 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com where you will find links and photos and more information about today's guests. And as always, we still love your feedback. That's right. In 2018, we love your feedback. Go to Facebook, type in Monty Roberts, look for the one that has a little blue check mark, and join the fun. Like it, follow it. Type in there some comments, because we, uh, we take very seriously your comments there, and it helps us make this show better. If, you're, if there are guests you would like us to interview, topics we like to talk about, we want to hear about it. That's right. And... Because you love the show so much, you need to have the app. Go to your app store, type in Horse Radio Network, download it. It's free and easy to use, and it's available for uh, your Android or your iPhone. There you mm-hmm. go. A lot of people have found us on the app, which is really great. I'm so glad that Horse Radio Network put that up. It's the little gold horse in the box. And many thanks to our sponsors, too. We've got Omega Fields. We've got Cavallo Horse and Rider and Monty Roberts University. Thank you for sponsoring us. And be sure to visit the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. (laughs) 